Hello and welcome to Season 3, Episode 15 of the Everyday Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Green. And today we have my friend Gage Coldwater on the podcast. He is from Wewoka, Oklahoma. Is that how you pronounce that? That's right. All right. And uh, he is going to talk with us today about one of the landmines that we need to be looking out for, and uh, that is materialism and covetousness. Before we get started on that subject, um, Gage, would you like to introduce yourself to us? Certainly. I appreciate the opportunity to be on here. My name is Gage Coldwater, as he's already said, and I am preacher at the Wewoka Church of Christ. I'm married to Kelly Coldwater. I've got two kids, 16 and 14, Aurora and Pike, and uh, we uh, love being here at Wewoka. It's a good congregation. Again, I'm just thankful for the opportunity to be on here today. Well, I appreciate you uh, joining me to help with this podcast and uh I guess we met with some uh, some ranching that you were doing down our direction for a little while, and yeah, uh, it, it was really good to meet you. And I did a lot of farm type work when I was in high school, and so um, I think you contact contacted me asking if maybe I'd help you a little bit. And so I actually got to go work on the farm a little bit. And I really enjoyed that because I hadn't done that kind of work in so long. No, you were good help too. Well, I appreciate that. I don't. I don't know about that, but it was farming. Farming keeps me sane. So yeah, it's therapy. You know, I yeah, I can't spend all day in an office. Right. Yes, sir. Well, as we said today, we're going to talk about materialism, and I'd like to begin this subject, if you will, by talking about some of the places that you have been, Gage, uh, on your mission trips, and you know, many places uh, around the world do not have near the amount of material stuff, as we would say, uh, as we are used to here in America. Gage, have you noticed a big difference in mindsets between here and places like that that you have visited? Absolutely. I mean, it seems like everything in America is centered around our stuff rather than people. Um, Matter of fact, our family has even kind of come up with a mantra that we often even say is, you know, it's always people before stuff. Um, and that was something we really learned while living overseas is and spending so much time in third world countries is, you know, most people, they don't live in the elaborate houses that we live in. And, you know, to even own one car would be a, a great expense for them. And yet most of us have three or four sitting in our driveways. Um, and we become very focused compared to them. You know, And there's this huge, there's a huge gap between us and the rest of the world really. Um, at least in a West, Western culture where we're, we're really, I hate to say it, but materialistic compared to them. Um, but it is the truth. Right. You, uh, you mentioned third world countries. Um, how many different countries have you been to that are, I guess, in that category uh, in your mission works? I, hate to I don't know how many. Are, I've been to 39 countries. Wow. I don't know how many of them are third world. I would say at least probably two thirds of them. Um, and, you know, even the gap between like what we would call a second world right. country and to a third world country is actually quite large. Um, I, I guess we're not even supposed to call them third world countries now. They, they're developing countries. Right. But, um, you know, the, the gap financially and the ownership of different items is it's astronomical. I mean, there is, there is a huge chasm between um, 
there, there is no comparison really between us and them. And uh, they look at us, you know, for instance, when I was in Cameroon one time, they wanted me to show a, a slideshow of where we lived and things like that one night as I was teaching there. And so I didn't think it was one of my first mission trips and I didn't think much about it. So I just put up a slideshow of my house and my kids and our little farm and our dogs and our cars. And they all just sit there just wide eyed. like, Wow. And one of them said, are you related to Donald Trump? <laughs> and it hit me square between the eyes that I never thought of myself in that category, right? Because right. in America, we think of ourselves as, you know, if you're middle class, you're not doing that great. But to them, they thought what we had was like being Donald Trump. And so there is, there is a wide gap in between how we see things and how they do. And so showing them, it was actually a big mistake. And I felt horrible for it afterwards. Um, matter of fact, they looked at my dogs. I had some registered Labradors uh, that I bred and sold. And they looked at my dogs and said, how do they taste? Um, so, you know, you just, you, you just don't see this, the same thing that they do. And that's that's, part that's of the what we breed dogs for here. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. They were wondering how good they were. And right. I, they kept asking me, how, how good are they? And I kept thinking, well, they're great dogs. I mean, I breed them and uh, right. they were talking about on the barbecue and not in the field. So, yeah, I mean, that's eye-opening. Yeah, I guess it's probably is, uh, a little insensitive for people here in America because we don't eat dogs, but right. most places in the world, I mean, that's their reality is that's food, not. Absolutely. It is. Um, we talk about first world. Um, that category I, I was looking into this last night preparing and the first world the idea of that developed uh, during the cold war uh, the first world was basically the united states canada western europe uh, japan australia places like that uh, allied with the united states during the cold war then you had the second world which was the former soviet union and uh, their allies and a lot of eastern european countries uh, etc then you have third world countries and uh, many of the countries, although certainly not all, but uh, many of the con uh, countries in South America and certain parts of Asia and parts of Africa as well are uh, referred to as third world countries based on the amount of material uh, and economic uh, output, I guess, of, of the of I want to say congregation, <laughs> the, uh, the country. But uh, we also refer to them as developing countries, uh, and that's in relation to basically, you know, the amount of wealth, the amount of stuff, uh, the amount of money, and, and things of that nature, the standard of living uh, in the various countries. But I think that there is a tendency to struggle more with materialism in what we would call a first world quote unquote country compared to these other places. And, you know, just to prove that we could talk about the, the running joke, first world problems, right? Yeah. Uh, I also yeah. some of those up last night and here's just a list of about five of them that I found that I thought were quite interesting and eye opening. And, you know, these are considered problems in, in the first world areas. Uh, I have more clothes than I have hangers. What a problem, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I poured my cereal and forgot we're out of milk. Oh, man, I'm going to have to eat some dry cereal. 
Um, oh no, I did not mean to close that tab on the computer. Now I have to type the URL back in. It's gonna waste five seconds, you know? Um, I'm, I'm sick of eating at the restaurants that are near my job. And how about this one? Well, my new iPhone isn't the newest model anymore. Oh no, now I've gotta go buy a new one. That's right. Those are the kinds of things that illustrate just how good we have it in this particular country where we're recording this and in a lot of other countries as well. We have listeners from last I checked, I think it was almost 90 countries on Shattered Broad Network and you've got a various degree of wealth represented there. Of course, you've got a lot of countries that are similar to the United States as far as uh, level of wealth, but then you've got other countries that don't have as much as we have in the United States. But what is alarming to me living here in the United States is we have so much, but there can be the great temptation to be so ungrateful for what we do have. And yeah, and I guess the reason I want to talk about this particular landmine, uh, materialism and um, covetousness, which really go hand in hand, is I want, especially for those that are listening here and in places similar, I want us to make sure that we understand that with everything that we do have, we have responsibility to be good stewards of that. And we need to be thankful for what we have. And we don't need to be worshiping the stuff that we have. And I'm afraid that there are so many people in society that do that. Well, that's absolutely true. I mean, you think about, like you go back to Romans chapter one and you look at that list there of sins and kind of the progression of those sins. And, you know, Paul there kind of just really outlines this. And we think of the terrible ones in our minds, right? These are horrible. Those that have, you know, given up the, the natural use for vile affections. We think of those things when you think of Romans chapter one, but we often forget that the very first step to apostasy comes here. And it says, because that when they knew God, verse 21, they glorified him, not as God, neither were they thankful. And I would say that an attitude of ingratitude is generally the first step away from God. And I think that's why we're so born in scripture about riches, because it can cause us to be very self-centered in thinking that we have accumulated these things. We have done these things. We have earned them. These are ours. And we become ingrateful of the one that actually gave them to us and put them into our hands to allow us to be the stewards of those things. And so we got to be very careful. You know, it's, you know, when you think about how materialism translates into covetousness, um, it's, it's kind of the idea that one thing always leads to another. And, you know, if I get one nice pair of shoes, I'm going to want the next nicer pair. Right. And then I'm going to want the nicer pair. I'm going to get go back to that first world problem with the phone, right? I Last year, I had the newest iPhone, but this year they came out with another one, and now I need to get it. Even though yours works just fine the way, the way it is, it does everything else really that you need it to do, but yet we go spend way too much money on the newest phone just because well it's new and that's why covetousness and that's you know one of the greatest tools of the devil is that he wants us to think we always have to have the next thing um you, you can think how this translates over into other areas of our life you, you think how it could translate over into marriage i mean this is a major problem in our culture here you know i'm not happy with the one i want 
you know, that's why Exodus 21, when it's describing, you know, those 10 commandments and it describes covetousness, that shall not covet thy neighbor's wife, thy neighbor's dog, you know, kind of idea here is, is I'm always going to be seeking the next thing instead of being content with the things I have. And so, you know, that the true, I think the true test of godliness when it comes to our, our material possessions is can I be content with what I have? Um, Absolutely. So, you know, we're, we're so ingrained with this thought, you know, every bit of marketing is in our country is centered. I've taken on several marketing classes. It's all focused on getting people to feel discontented with what they have. And if you can get somebody to feel discontent with what they have, then they're going to want to jump to the next thing. And so, you know, like for instance, you get, you know, if you're a car dealership, um, they want to get a person in the door and it's not, they want them to talk to the salesman. They want them to get behind the wheel because they, they even have a slogan. They say the fill the wheel is half the deal. And so if they can get them behind that wheel, make them smell that new car smell and feel the power and, and, oh man, this is so much better, right. Than what I already have. Right. And I mean, even though my car is perfectly good, I got to go buy another one, you know, trade this one in and get myself upside down in debt and mm-hmm. not even think about it because why? Because you're making this emotional decision because you're no longer grateful for what you have. Um, Absolutely. You know, you, you mentioned uh, the covetousness and even bringing that into, you know, coveting someone's wife from, from Exodus there in the listing of the Ten Commandments. I kind of had a light bulb moment the other day when I was preparing a sermon and I was talking about how God will never leave us nor forsake us. And it was actually a sermon on loneliness and the biblical approach to that. God doesn't want people to be lonely. Um, generically speaking, but I did mention in that sermon, you know, loneliness does not trump right and wrong, though. Uh, You cannot say, well, because I'm lonely, I can get into an unscriptural, you know, relationship. But um, anyways, I talked about Hebrews 13, verse 5, and it says, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I find it interesting that he's talking about covetousness. He's talking about contentment. And he's also talking about God not leaving us nor forsaking us. And so I I talked about how, you know, the cure for loneliness is our dependence on God. And then I asked this thought-provoking question. Can it not be that um, if we're struggling with loneliness, um, in a sense, in a way, are we not content in the sense that, hey, we're depending on God for our happiness rather than, well, you know, these other people in our life, et cetera. Now, obviously God has given us the church and that certainly combats, you know, loneliness and and it helps with those sorts of things. But I think ultimately we need to depend on God, even if we're dealing with some kind of struggle like that. And I say all that just to, to go back to the fact that it's the same thing uh, as it pertain, as it pertains to our possessions, uh, are we depending on our possessions for our happiness or are we depending on God for our happiness and our fulfillment in life? That's absolutely, that's a great point. I mean, you think you go back to Hebrews chapter 13, you just pointed out, you go back one verse to verse four, marriage is honorable and all, bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers, God's going to judge. Then he jumps into verse five and he says, let your conversation be without covetousness. Right. And so, I mean, the two things are completely tied together. But how many bad decisions are made out of what people would say are loneliness or or voids in their life? 
Right. I've got this void in my life that I have to fill. I mean, what is drug addiction? But absolutely trying to fill a, a, a void, alcohol addiction, trying to fill a void. Um, I, I've got people in my life I love dearly that, you know, they get divorced and they say, well, I just can't be alone. Well, you're not, you know, but we think we are. And we, we become self-deceived in thinking that all these different things are going to make us happy. And, and that's really where covetousness and materialism find their their deepest tentacles in us, right? They, we, oh, this is what's going to make me ultimately, if I just have this one thing, I'll be happy. And But we're not happy with that one thing, you know? So when we jump, oh, if I have this other thing, I'm going to be happy. And so, you know, when, when people find their contentment in God, they find their happiness in God. It's uh, being to him. It's the book of Ecclesiastes, right? Right. Yeah. Solomon was looking for happiness in all the wrong places. Finally, he writes down at the end, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is uh, the duty of the, the whole duty of man. I want to look at a couple of other Old Testament examples. And, and the Old Testament is just absolutely filled with warnings against um, excessive prosperity to the point that that God's people turned towards the prosperity instead of serving God. There's a couple that I'd like to look at. And if you don't mind, I'd, I'd like for you to turn to Amos chapter six, uh, verses one through eight, if you wouldn't mind reading that in just a moment. Amos chapter six, verses one through eight. Uh, and I'm gonna read right now, Ezekiel 16, verse 49. So Ezekiel 16, verse 49, in the context, Jerusalem is being condemned for sins that are even more egregious than Samaria. And God's making these comparisons to various nations. And he says in Ezekiel 16, verse 49, look, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughter had pride. And then listen to this, fullness of food, fullness of food and abundance of idleness. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. What were they caught up in? They were caught up in materialism. They were caught up in comfort. They were caught up in lavish lifestyles of luxury, and they took their their um, mindset off of God, and uh, it led to stinginess. They weren't helping the poor and the needy, etc. They were caught up in materialism. Uh, what about Amos 6, verses 1 through 8? Woe to them that are ease in Zion, and trust in the mountain of Samaria, which are named chief of the nations, to whom the house of Israel came. Pass ye into Calne and see, and from thence go ye to Hamath, and to the great, and then go down to Gath of the Philistines. Be they better than these kingdoms, or their border greater than your border? Ye that put far away the evil day, and cause the seed of violence to come near, that lie upon beds of ivory, stretch themselves upon the couches, and eat the lambs out of the flock, and the calves out of the midst of the stall that chant to the sound of the vial and invent to themselves instruments of music like David, that drink wine in bowls and anoint themselves with the chief ointments, but they're not grieved for the affliction of Joseph. You went through verse six, right? Um, verse eight, actually. Okay. Therefore now shall they go captive with the first that go captive and the banquet of them that stretch themselves shall be removed. The Lord God has sworn by himself, saith the Lord God of hosts, I abhor the excellency of Jacob and hate his palaces. Therefore, will I deliver up the city with all that is therein. 
prosperity and materialism. Um, and there's nothing wrong. There's nothing inherently wrong with prosperity, but when it becomes an idol in our lives and it leads to materialism, does it not often lead to complacency? No, absolutely. And that's I mean, really what's just, going on here in Amos. Yeah, certainly. I mean, they, they've become so relaxed on their ivory beds, right? Right. They got so much wine that they're drinking it out of bowls and not cups anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's an overabundance, which is sure a scary thing living in America. You know, we, when we came back from living in Africa, it was, um, and I'd been warned about this, um, but I didn't realize how much it would affect us. But, you know, there's a culture shock going there, but then there's also a culture shock coming home. Right. Um, and having gotten used to the culture of less and then coming back to the culture of more, has i think i think it really affected my whole family actually because when we came home it was just there's a plethora of everything everywhere i mean you just think about the super walmart right yeah i mean there's there's nothing that we can't get i when we lived in africa if we wanted to go get we would call it a go on a grocery haul we would shop for two or three other missionary families that were with us we would drive two and a half hours to get to what we would call a convenience store to grocery shop. Right. And, you know, people here would be like, oh man, that's horrible. And, uh, and we would do it maybe every two, three weeks and pretty much everything else was fresh. You know, like we would grow it or we'd buy it at the little market in town, you know, the fresh food markets. But we learned very quickly that you don't just go get what you want. Right. And here we're so materialistic that if we don't have, if Walmart doesn't have what I want, it's a, let me talk to the manager moment. You know, let's, well, let's go. Let me talk to your supervisor. Kind of we're experiencing after COVID, all these supply chain disruptions and, uh, you know, they're out of toilet paper. <laughs> they're out of uh, this particular. Now that's one product. thing. I don't know. That Say it again. I'm going to do it. I don't know if toilet paper is one thing I can deal very well without. But. <laughs> right. Well, we're, there's ways to make it work, I hear, but I definitely do not want to. I don't want to find out. <laughs> but um, it, it just shows you, you know, people are enraged that there's supply chain disruptions here. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, it's a problem, but. Well, we want to live on the bed of ease, right? I right. want to be able I mean, to go. It could be a lot worse. I mean, why is there a Dollar General in every little town? across america now right right because it provides convenience and yep. people want that and, and you know i may have to drive 30 minutes to walmart right the dollar general is next door yep. and they figured that out they figured out that they can use that as a i mean it's genius marketing absolutely but you know that's that shows kind of how minded we are in this in this way of thinking we have to have everything in our convenience and i mean we've grown so lazy that everything we do i don't even go to the store hardly for anymore i click a button on my phone and it mysteriously appears on my porch with an amazon smile on it right and you know i i'm, I'm not even gonna go the long distance if i need a part for one of my farm implements or something i just get online click it and a day later it's at my door we've kind of i i fear that we're we're no different than those that the Lord condemned because of their ease and their, their comfort. Well, uh, it, it depends on our mindset towards it, I guess. I mean, there's nothing 
there's nothing inherently wrong with having things nicely, but it's just so tempting to get the wrong mindset when we have things as, as good as we have them. And that's exactly what happened to Judah there in, in uh, Amos. And I do think it's, it is happening to a lot of people today in what we call first world countries. Well, I mean, I don't even think there's comparison. Like you look at what we have compared to what they had. Yeah. There's no comparison. <laughs> I mean, we can be somewhere, you know, hundreds of miles away in a matter of a few hours. They had to walk. Oh, yeah. People gripe about not having a business class ticket instead of economy class. And yet. <laughs> right. Not enough leg room. Yeah. Not enough leg room. Crazy. It's a bigger issue for some of us bigger people. But Well, that's that's true. I'm, I'm small. So. <laughs> <laughs> i've never i've never had a problem with that which listen you until you've ridden in a uh, in a bus in uganda africa going what feels like about 100 miles an hour down the road that would that would freak most people out because of its roughness and yeah narrowness yeah uh, business class tickets an extreme extravagance you yeah. know yeah. Absolutely. little leg room problem that's nothing until you've ridden with goats and chickens on your bus too <laughs> you know yeah it, it's just uh i mean just listening to this much less you know actually getting to go over there and see it as you have done um one of these days i do want to take a mission trip i have not been able to yet but i know it's going to be very very eye-opening well i you know i i've thought about a few things on all this and uh so we've been talking about it and there, there are about three things that come to my mind that really are dangers when it comes to, to materialism. And some questions come to mind. You know, when, for instance, when we lived in Africa, our home here in America was robbed. Um, somebody broke in and we were gone for a long time. And so they had the run of the place and they emptied our house. And um, when I got the phone call from the police and sitting there with my wife and I, the first thing that came to mind was how am I going to, how am I going to react to this, right? Because things that were heirlooms, expensive heirlooms, things that I valued probably more than I should have disappeared in a, in a moment. And, um, you know, I can remember sitting my wife and children down and reading to them Luke chapter 12 and, you know, how our life, a man's life doesn't consist of uh, the abundance of things which he possesses. And, you know, a question came to mind is how am I going to react if I don't have the possessions that I have had or would like to have? And so, you know, if you want to ask yourself if you're materialistic, you know, a good question is how would I react if I had it and it got taken from me? Um, if you throw a ringtail fit and it changes your whole course of life and everything is upended, probably materialistic, yeah. you know. Kind of like the old Jeff Foxworthy routine of you might be a redneck if right. you might be materialistic if, you know, you, you know, for instance, if you become depressed, if your emotional state changes in a dramatic way because of material things, you're materialistic to tell you, you know, if you don't have the amount in your checking account that you want. So you become depressed and discouraged. You're probably materialistic. Um, like you said earlier, it doesn't mean you, you can't want to have, I mean, who doesn't like having security? 
right right and, and finances provide some of that but we're not talking about security we're talking about you know things that you know god says or jesus says in matthew chapter six you know that if god's going to take care of the the lilies of the field and the birds of the air will he not so much more take care of you and so you know we're told with food and raiment be there with content so if i've got the things that i need and then the extra things and if they disappear you know what what happened to the rich young men right jesus said sell everything you have give the money to the poor come follow me and how did he respond well his his attitude and his emotional state changed in a dramatic way he left and he didn't just leave sad he left sorrowful and right my understanding is that the word there is this idea of exceeding sorrowful. I mean, he, he could not part with it. And so, you know, if you're, if your whole life changes because of a material thing, you probably got materialism, you know? Yeah. So there, you know, there's a few things that we have to be careful for. Um, you know, you know, do our material things change us? You think about that. How do they change me? Do I become a different person? Um, I met a man years ago when I was doing missionary work and probably one of the wealthiest men in America come to find out. I didn't know it at the time. The dude drove an old truck, old, old, old truck and lived in a little two bedroom house down in Texas. And he wore overalls and was just as plain as anybody we'd ever meet. And yet come to find out later, He's owner of one of the biggest pipeline companies in the world. And, you know, that, that impressed me, you know, it did not change him right at all. And materialism, that's what it does. For instance, you go back to, you know, Joshua, uh, chapter six and seven, when you look at the sin of Achan, right? It changed him. He saw that that Babylonish garment, he saw that that bar of gold, he saw those shekels of silver, and he had to have them. And so he took them. But what did he have to do? And this is what materialism usually does. It makes us, it makes us do things that we normally wouldn't do. So he takes it, and he's never going to be able to wear the garment because it's Babylonian. Everybody knows he can't have it. And so he can't ever wear it. But he so what's he do? He digs a hole in his tent, buries it, covers it with a rug. He can't spend the money. Why? Because that's all supposed to be in the treasury of God. He, he can't do anything with any of it. But what does he still have to do? He's still got to have it. Mm. And so he, he takes it and now he's changed. And then ultimately he changes the whole outcome of his family. Yep. He changes the outcome of 36 other families, right? Because those 36 men that went up to AI that day to fight and they lost, got their tails whipped at AI. And why did they do that? Because they had taken the accursed thing. Yep. Um, and that's what, that, that's what materialism does to us. It, it changes who we are it conforms us to a different pattern than what we should be conformed to absolutely um as we're recording this gas prices are way up and the stock market is down how do we react to that does it ruin our day does it ruin our week does it ruin our year <laughs> or uh, that's all anybody wants to talk about right yeah right. which i mean i get oh, the gas prices right it is frustrating but at the same time What's our outlook? Well, I think we can kind of look at it like Job did, right? How, how was Job's response to things like this? Well, yeah, the yeah. Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed yeah. be the name of the Lord. Yeah. Like, hey, look, it, so what if I can't drive anywhere? Right? 
Like, I mean, we, we can all been out of shape. I, it's going to cost me more. Then don't go. Right. You know, go spend some family time at home. Yep. Play some board games. You know? Yeah. You, I mean, you don't, you're not, nobody's forcing you to get in that car and drive. And you say, well, I can't get to my job. Well, I mean, we're going to, we're going to have to make tough choices, but listen, it, it shouldn't change who we are. Right. And certainly shouldn't turn us into a bunch of murmurers and complainers. Right. Um, for things, listen, we're not going to change the price of oil. And there's not one of us it's by our murmuring complaining that are going to change the price of oil or gas. Right. What we do is what we deal is. with it. Yep. Yeah. You know, how, and the question is, how am I going to deal with it? Is it going to change me as a person where I'm bitter and upset and frustrated and angry and have to post 400 memes on Facebook and Instagram and send everybody a text message saying, you know, Joe Biden's at fault or this person's at fault. And, right. and it's not doing anybody any good. Right. You know. All right. We're going to go ahead and pause the episode right here for this week. Lord willing, next week we will continue this discussion on materialism with Gage Coldwater. What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network, and we're grateful to God for this opportunity. And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, and we have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use, And please continue to keep our network in your prayers. As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.